We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 83, year 3. Today, we got a special guest, 2021 World Series of Poker Player of the Year, Mr. Josh Aria. We also going to talk about my trip to Texas, the NBA playoffs, politics if you want to talk, whatever you want to talk. The World Series is coming up soon. The Mouthpiece is next. What up? What up? Welcome to the mouthpiece. It's four o'clock Pacific. NBA playoffs start this weekend. Uh, sucks not having my Lakers in, but what a disaster that it was. I truly believe it will be the Phoenix Suns and the Boston Celtics in the finals, or the Phoenix Suns and Miami, or it could be the Bucks. But I think it's going to be Boston. Uh, I said that before Williams went down. Uh, I don't know. They say he's going to be back in the next couple of days. Dramatic win yesterday. That series is going to be amazing. So I'm pretty looking forward to that. Uh, but let's start off on the top of the show. Uh, my trip to Texas at uh, 52 Social. Uh, we had uh, another grand opening down there in which we um, I showed up. Uh, we I brought in about an extra two tables um a lot of people came in wanting to play with me uh it's really really a beautiful place i mean they have uh, guaranteed tournaments every day i think it's two thousand dollar guaranteed tournaments every day 52 dollar buy-in um and they have full bar and restaurant and the thing that uh really uh gets me really excited about being involved with them is it's the only card room in Austin that has a full bar and restaurant. And I just believe, and from the people I know from when I was there, uh, when I went to the lodge in uh, June of last year, a lot of the people I got to know came in and saw me at the 52 Social. And they all said the same things that this place is so nice and they'd really like to play there, but... You know, um, they, they need uh, the it needs to be run a little bit better, and that's where where I come in. So um, I feel real good about it. Uh, the uh, finalization of uh, my total involvement won't be uh, public for another couple weeks, so I don't want to tease you all and tell you all what I'm going to be doing at 52 Social. I will tell you this. I will be involved uh, doing meetup games on a regular basis after the World Series ends. Uh, as far as uh, the club goes, if you're in Austin, Texas, um, I think there's no better place to play poker at. We have uh, one, two, one, three games that are really good. Uh, I played uh, some two, five PLO and some five, ten PLO. <laughs> I played a 2-5 PLO where every pot was $10,000. I mean, you you can't make this up. And they tell me, I, I said, this is, is, this is crazy. And they're like, oh, this is the small game. So uh, on the last day I was there, uh, they had a 
2510 PLO, and I was getting ready to play. There was a quarter million dollars on the table in the 2510 PLO. It was absolutely bizarre. Uh, so the games in Texas are really good. Really, really good. Um, we just started a live stream. I played, uh, you could check it out. Uh, uh, I think uh, if you go to their website, 52 Social Live Stream. I played a quarter, 50, 100 for about four hours on the stream on Monday. I played really, really good except for one hand. And I kind of break down why I called the hand that I did. Um, and I, I knew he had the ace of diamonds in his hand. And um, I almost found a fold. I just, I just, he, he, he doesn't have ace king. Uh, the way he bet the flop, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just didn't think he had it, and I, I he had flopped a nut flush. I had top pair, and I'm not used to calling off 4,600 with one pair. Um, it's just something I don't do, and it ends up he flatted with aces pre-flop, and so the there was three diamonds on the board, and I was right. He had the ace of diamonds. I was right. He would have re-raised with ace king, uh, but I didn't see a guy who was that aggressive that would flat aces to a raise and he got me and I ended up breaking even in the game, but I was up like 8,000. Uh, but that's on me. Uh, I made one mistake, but overall, <clears throat> if you watch the stream, uh, I picked off every bluff. I made value bluffs myself. Uh, my timing was perfect, uh, except for one hand. And I literally lost, I was up 8,000 and I lost uh, 7,500 in that one hand. So, hey, it is what it is. So Texas is on my horizon. Uh, I will give you guys uh, final tallies on when I'm, what I'm going to be doing there. But it looks like as soon as the World Series is over, I will be moving out of Las Vegas and uh, uh, running uh, 52 social with my two good friends, Todd and Jason. Now, if you guys remember, I made an announcement back in the end of January, early February about the Dallas situation where me, Todd and Jason would, would were going to be running that. Uh, like I told you guys a few weeks ago, how that fell through. And, um, unfortunately for them, that's their loss. So I feel really good about this. Um, and like I said before, I'm not going to 52 social to hurt Doug Polk's place or across the street, the lodge. I like the people who, who are the owners there. I like the way it's run. I like everything about them. And the more people we bring to the Austin area, and especially in the same area, if you have, even if there's three or four or five poker, even though there's only two in this area, the more, if they're all centrally located, the more people are going to come out uh, the more it's going to blow up Texas poker. So unfortunately they feel threatened by me and us. And because we have a full bar and restaurant and it's such a nice place, it, it mean, it is a little bit nicer than the lodge, but I'm, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm not there. If I don't, I don't there to take one game from them. I'm there to help build the Austin, Texas market and to try and keep making poker in Texas flourish because I truly believe in three years from now, 
every big tournament is all going to be in Texas. And it wouldn't shock me one bit once uh, the MGM, they're supposed to be, according to what Mark Cuban said, they're supposed to be legalizing casinos out there and within three or four, three or four years opening casinos, which will have big poker rooms. And the, I, I believe all big tournaments are going to be end up, I believe Texas will be the poker capital of the world. Wouldn't shock me in 10 years if uh, uh, Caesars owns a casino in Texas and the World Series of Poker is in Texas. Wouldn't shock me. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a prediction. 10 years from now, the World Series might will be in Texas. I, I just think that the expansion of the casinos and, uh, and what's going on out there, I, I just think Texas is where it's at. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to stake my reputation and every quarter I have to my name on it. So I'm kind of going all in on Texas. So I will uh, give you guys a final tally of uh, what's going on in Texas uh, when it does. So um, with that in mind, uh, I am about to bring in a very good friend of mine um, who won the 21, 2021 Player of the Year um, at the World Series of Poker. And we're going to talk a lot about that. And he's got some great gambling stories coming up, including one with Michael Jordan, which I think you guys will find somewhat interesting. Um, so uh, with further ado, we will bring in my good friend, Josh Aria. Josh, are you there? What's up, Mikey? What's up? Josh Aria, hey. everybody. What's going on, my man? Hey. Mm, not much. Just uh, everyday life stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we used to talk a lot back in the days, and you know, you live in Atlanta. We don't, we haven't talked like we've always good friends, but we, you know, we don't really talk that much. I see you got yourself a a nice uh, new girlfriend that you're real happy with. Uh, yeah, Rachel's a good girl, man. We've been together for um, we met at the World Series in '19, and we've been together since. She's that's, uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, a great, great person, and really positive influence on me that's great you know so do you think that uh that meeting her had a big influence on uh, how you did in the world series on 2021 um i think that the it's a factor but it's more of a big picture thing um uh, i always tell people oh sorry to interrupt you but i always tell people like when your relationship is good it's poker everything kind of falls together you know um, it's, it, for me, it's more of, uh, more than just relationship. It's about getting my whole life, uh, yeah. to a place that I'm, that I'm happy about. And, um, for a while I, I was, uh, not in a good place and I picked things up, um, in 19, in 2019 and really, uh, started to uh, worked on improving my life and improving the person that I am. And so, you know, and, um, made some changes and was able to meet an amazing person along the way. Um, and you know, she's just one of the factors in, uh, my life, you know, being much better than it was. That's that's really good to hear. So, like, you know, I I, I I could pretty much say the same thing. So, 
you know, a lot of people don't know, and they filmed the documentary uh, for my life at the World Series last year, and a lot of people don't know what I go through, you know, ever since my injury in 2014. You know, I spent five years blaming the whole world, feeling sorry for myself, and my life was just spinning and spinning and spinning. And uh, once I stopped feeling sorry for myself and made some adjustments in my life, uh, my life got real think like same thing like got really good poker got really good i started making a lot of money i don't bet sports anymore uh i haven't bet sports uh in about four and a half five years i mean i might make a thousand dollar bet on a game a couple times maybe five but I, times. I know exactly what you mean you're not you're not looking at the rotation numbers every night and, and yeah yeah and i don't even i don't even look like like even the nba playoffs i like to bet like a thousand on the games right and I've made one bet on the NBA playoffs since they started. Of course, I, lo- like I lost. The, the playoff, playoffs are exciting. Like, yeah. anytime there's an exciting event, I, I do enjoy putting a little money on it because it makes it even more exciting. Like, playoff uh, professional athletes, um, when they are giving it their best, it, it's it's amazing the product that the NBA playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs, the NFL playoffs. It's exciting shit. And, you know, if, if you can afford to bet a little something on it, it, it makes it so much better. But back to what I'm sorry, I, I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah. Um, back to what you were saying about taking responsibility for the sh- things that have happened to you. Yeah, I, I know um, I went to the Choice Center. I mm-hmm. think it was around 2014. And I agree that it's a cult and it's a scam and a pyramid scheme. But it could help if it helps you. It makes a difference. I don't care if it helps one person. You know, there was two things that I got from the Choice Center, and I learned to take responsibility for everything that happens to me, um, and that freed me in so many ways. There was so many times where I was so angry and thinking, I can't believe this happens to me. I can't believe this is happening. Why is this happening? I'm so out of control to going there and having a complete flip to figuring out what I did to cause this to happen to me. And there are things that happen to you that you're out that that are out of your control or out of my control. There were things that were happening to me and I accepted that and I accepted that there's nothing I can do for things that are out of my control. But a majority of the time I was able to to really, you know, dig deep and find out something that I could have done different different to cause that. Um, And another thing that was really big for me at the Choice Center was figuring out how I would deflect uh, when pain would start. Like mm-hmm. when there was something that I didn't want to deal with, I would just deflect everything after that. So relating that into poker is I would take a bad beat and then I would just try to get all in and not care because I didn't want to mm-hmm. deal with the pain anymore. Yeah. But um, from there, I would take a bad beat and and continue to keep my best foot forward and, and, uh, to keep battling. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, this isn't a commercial for the choice center. Right. I, 
there was a lot of practices that they that they uh, did that I did not enjoy, uh, that I did not like. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was good for me, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that it was good for, and other people that it wasn't good for. So, so when you say like like a lot of times you would take a bad beat, and then all of a sudden it would mentally bother you, and then you would be like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Um, exactly. I look I look back at many a times where in a PLO tournament, you're like top five in chips. And the next thing I know, you either didn't cash or you're out, you know, right after a cash. Does that, did that, a lot of those times, did that happen to you a lot of those times in tournaments uh, and where it didn't happen and where you fixed it? For sure. It's, there's, there's so many different stages of, of poker tournaments. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, Chris Ferguson, you know, I, he's w- w- whatever he is, he is. Mm-hmm. But I I heard him one time in an interview. He was going to a final table with a huge chip lead. Mm-hmm. And he ended up winning the tournament. But along the way, he lost the chip lead. Mm-hmm. And he told the reporter that he mentally prepared himself for the adversity of not being chip leader. So it's it's he was mentally prepared for the different stages, mm-hmm. and that th- there's many different stages of a poker tournament, and it's hard to it used to be hard to well it still is to, it, hard to go from having a big dominating chip lead where you're this big bully and you get to play a lot and you get to mix it up and put pressure on people, but then you lose a hand and now you have to you know you're stuck doing yeah. what you're should i tighten points? up should i keep going faster and i right. think you know you just said that it's a great adjustment it's you know it's something that 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 i struggle with a lot of times too because i don't i'm the type of guy that that kind of like and you know me you've played a million hours with me it's like i i'm in the middle i'm in the middle i'm in the middle and i'm not the type of guy that really gets a lot of chips but when i do I, I I struggle in that same situation. I I I say to myself, "Well, I got all these chips. I'm like, I, do I need to play faster? You know." And in the no limits and PLOs, I do where you know the limit tournaments. You really there's really can't. Get, I mean, they say you can, but I I'm not the type of guy that's real good at playing fast in the limit because you know well, somebody's for, already going to have a hand. From, you know? from what I remember, we haven't played much in the last ten years. No. But, you remember, and this isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Um, your your poker is very emotional. Yep, and and that's good. I mean, yeah. passion is passion is an amazing thing. Nobody is successful at anything without passion, and you definitely have the passion. Right, and sometimes it works with you, and sometimes it works against you. And um, yeah, that's correct. But, and it's something but, I've learned. To, I've really learned to control my emotions a lot yeah. in the poker tournaments, uh, and even in cash games. Now it's like. I'll lose a hand or I'll get stacked like one or two times in a row. And the thing that, that, and again, I I don't want to like suck on Phil Helmy's ass or anything because he's got his own issues, but he's given me so many good quality things when it comes to poker, like money management, game selection, right? If the game. I'm good at no limit hold'em. Yeah, shut up, Phil. 
Money yeah. management's easy, easy to have when you have 50 million. Exactly. So, right. So, so I think money management for me and you is going to be a little different. Correct. Than money. Correct. But he has helped me where I take, I lose a couple buy-ins and I quit for the night where, and you know, let's go back to back. You remember we would play, we'd play for two days straight. You know what I'm saying? And the truth yeah. of the matter is, is the game's going to be there the next day. So it's yeah. like, it's not really that important you know if you lose two buy-ins you know your mental acuity is not going to be as strong as when you sit down so you know that's why even one thing i learned about 2007 so 15 years ago was what you want to stay in a game when you're winning when you're winning you're crushing the game and people in poker they they hit and run for small wins and when they get stuck they play forever and that's just the opposite of what you should be doing you know well Sure, and and we are definitely on the same page there. Yeah. Um, but what I what I hear you saying is you're making better decisions. And right. dude, we've gone broke. Uh, you know, I just tell people, you know, I, I'm no smarter than anybody else. But what I try to do is not go broke the same time twice. Yeah. Every time I go broke, it's a lesson, and eventually you run out of ways to go broke. And when it comes I, me, to playing, me and you have found a lot of ways. <laughs> I've yeah, gone no, broke I, nine times. Yeah, so. no, I definitely have gone broke a lot of times along the way. Yeah. Um, but when talking about a session of poker and and the different stages of it, every hand is is uniquely different. The, every I'm sorry, every next hand is uniquely different than the hand before. Yeah. Who won the pot? Where did the chips go? how you feel, how the game's going, every, and, and as long as, for me, as long as I'm able to bring my best strategy to the next hand, I'm going to keep playing. And it takes a lot to, it, it takes a lot of years to um, understand yourself, to understand there's different versions of tilt. There's, there's, there's slough all your money off tilt and there's afraid to get an action tilt. So yeah, when it, I, when I it comes I've to playing, with that when, when it comes to playing long sessions, I like to tell people as long as you're playing the current hand to the best of Correct. your ability and you're able to understand the full situation then keep playing. But the, when when you get too tired or if the game changes and the wrong person gets chips, then yes, there will be another game the next day and there's no reason to sit there and just battle. Right. No, a hundred, dude, you couldn't have said it any better. And that's, that's kind of like the adjustment I've made in life is I've learned where if I'm not playing my best, like you're right. If I'm stuck a couple buy-ins, the game's good and I feel like I'm locked in, I, I'm not going to quit. But if I feel like it bothered me how – and most of the times, and I knock on wood, you know, but I mean I believe in run bad because you can run bad. But I also believe that you – create your own luck in other words if you're in a positive mindset and doesn't it seem like when you're in a positive mindset and you're playing well good things happen and when you get you lose a pot or you get in a negative mindset everything kind of unravels and this is kind of where phil brought in the you know the book positivity you know sorry to interrupt um but 
Sorry, my dog is okay. squeaked back down. Um, luckily for me, like, I swear I have a, a positive mindset to a fault. Mm-hmm. And cheese, quit. Sorry. Um, I have a positive mindset to a fault. Like, I, I do not believe in bad luck. I do not believe in... I do not believe in run bad. Um, I, I find I, I am extremely lucky and I know that mm-hmm. there's a million people out there that play poker better than I do. There's a million people out there that do so many things better than I do. I just, I go to the table thinking that I'm the luckiest person here and no matter what happens, there's nothing that's going to change that. And <laughs> and that's great because that's how I am too now. And I never was like that, you know? Yeah. And, and I've been that way. I mean, I've been that way for a long time. It, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's so bad to a fault. Like I'll get myself in, like, I don't mind laying 110 because I'm lucky and you only pay juice when you lose. I mean, it's <laughs> stupid stuff. And I just feel like that, when it's time that you need to get when, that I need to get lucky, I think that I'm going to get lucky. And sometimes it kicks me in the ass. But and, you know, it, what's really funny that you say this. So, uh, you know, I, I tell people in the, in the last three years with the World Series of Poker, I've cashed 34 of 76 with nine final tables. Now, that's really an impressive stat. OK, but and there's a but to it. Uh, when it gets down to two tables or less, I seem to never win a hand. And again, this is going back to what you just said. You go in there saying, I know I'm going to win. I know I'm the luckiest. Well, I go into these tournaments saying, this is my time. This is my tournament. All of a sudden, things start to go sideways. And you know when you've got two tables left, you you have one you make one mistake in one hand even in a limit tournament where you give away three extra big bets you're fucked you know what i mean so well even before that when you start tracking bad luck you're fucked exactly so when when you tracking bad luck and you start thinking in your mind i'm going to get unlucky or something's going to happen you're just, you've already lost the battle and you're thinking of the wrong thing. You're right. And so even going back to last year, like, so I, I got really unlucky in the 10K PLO by the Tommy Lee who fucking got his money in with three outs against me, wins the tournament, and they all want to say how great he is, you know? And so, as he, you know. Tommy you know, is a great He's a great no, player. Really, yeah. I'm not, dude, not. Like, Mike, that's the difference in and I'm not knocking you. That's the difference in me and you is I literally cannot, I I can think of one really bad beat that I took and it was like 15 years ago. Yeah. Other than that, I don't track bad beats. I, my, so if I take, I don't either. I can only name, I literally can only name two. And that was me about the Tommy Lee, but listen to me for a second. I, if I take a bad beat at a poker table, when I'm walking to the car and walking to the hotel room and getting a bite to eat by myself afterwards, I think to myself, why did that happen? What did I cause to make that person do that action? Yeah. And 
usually I will find that the image that I've set up at the table by the things that I've done leading up to that moment caused that guy to do something stupid and put a bad beat on me, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I caused the guy to do something completely wrong and negative EV or whatever the mm-hmm. hell that is, <laughs> that, and, and I did my job. Right. But if it just comes down to a cold deck and we both got our money in, yeah. that shit happens. And, and that's, that's the comfort that I am just like lucky to have. And I, yeah, it's, I, I, I just, I've always targeted the guy that tracks bad luck. When you sit there and talk about I bad agree. luck at the table, I fucking love it. I agree. I, and I, and I'll tell you, and I'll be like, oh, man, that was so unlucky. You are so unlucky. I'll drill it in. Me too. And and the only thing that you're thinking about is about getting unlucky, and you've lost the battle. I agree. And the, fu- the, the thing is, is and again, it's because I had the serious injury. So the 2016 PLO, where a guy hits a miracle when I was like third in chips, I, I always brought that up because I was struggling financially. When you're struggling financially, you think about, well, if this didn't happen, I would have made this much and I wouldn't be. So all all the, the only time I ever think about bad beats was when I was struggling financially. And now yeah. I'm doing really good. So I don't ever think about bad beats anymore. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in our world, we need money to, you know, money to is make our money. tool. Correct. And I understand that. Yes, all problems are multiplied when we are on short money. And I've just, you know, I've done this since I was a kid gambling at 17 years old. If I didn't have money, I was fine going and eating $3 value meals. Um, I was fine not spending any money. And now it's 30 years later and I'm still like... I can live really frugal and be fine with it. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. And you know Um, what? That's what I've learned how to do. And so people ask me, how have I made the adjustments I've made in life? I said, well, get a serious injury where you're almost paralyzed, have no money, have your parents have to pay your, your bills every month, give you a hundred dollars a month to eat on and have to eat a Taco Bell or McDonald's every day for a year. Well, when that happens, what's it going to do? It's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you wiser the next time you get money. It's going to make you appreciate life a lot better. So when I look back on the things that happened to me, I look at it as a godsend. You know, if I would have had a hundred million dollars in 2008 or even in 2012 when I had Bitcoin for 27 bucks a coin and had $10,000 worth. Would I be alive today? You know what I'm saying? Would I be gambling? It, you see, would I be doing drugs again and partying with women and because I have all this money? So you have to, you, you have to tell yourself everything happens for a reason. This injury, which I blamed on everybody for five years, it happened for a reason. It made me get grounded, made me appreciate money, made me appreciate life, made, made me appreciate just like last year at the World Series when everyone was bitching how bad they're running. You know what I said to him? I said, look at this fucking room. And I pointed at the room. I said, every single person that's in the Rio that fucking Annie up today has life better than 90 85% of the entire United States. So quit your fucking bitching. And that's the truth. Sure. You know? Yeah, and it's just, it's, yeah, I mean, it's something that's never going to change. There's always going to, I mean, you know, the everybody, and even more so now where it's, you know, 
back 10 years ago, the fields weren't um, so pro heavy, whereas right. now it, I, I, the, the fields are 75, 80% pros. Yeah. Where people those, don't the, have jobs. I mean, and yeah. so everybody, everybody is in like some sort of winning player and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's going to always be negativity. There's negativity in, in all aspects of life. And it's each individual person's job to, uh, you know, find the good things. And those are the people that are usually going to prosper at the end. And, and the thing also is, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of poker jealousy. People go on big runs, they start doing good. They want to talk bad about people, you know, but the thing I like to say is, so I've known you since I first became pro in 1997. We met playing Omaha 8, 75, 150. And, you know, we've been, I've been around now for, this is my 26th year. Uh, I came up with you, with Daniel, Phil, uh, Ivy, Jawanda, Alan Cunningham. And you ask yourself this, why are we still winning? And we haven't, I mean, I have made very little adjustments to my game. Is it because we are naturally talented, which I think so, or is it because we're mature enough to understand the faults we've made in the past that has allowed us to succeed in in this 2021? I don't know why, because there were a million people that have come come and gone. Um, million. Through- of course, yeah. And, you know, I don't think I play better than anybody else. I feel like um, I was if, if it was just Hold'em, I couldn't have made it. I, I'm a very a- average, a little above average Hold'em player. Um, I was fortunate that that I started playing PLO at an early an um, early time from. I mean, I've been playing PLO since probably '99, mm-hmm. and um, I just had a knack for it and I understood, um, I don't know the, but uh, the reason that I'm still able to make money playing poker is because of PLO and, um, you know, I just, I try to make the best decision that I can make when it comes to the little things that, that aren't involved in exact hand play. Um, yeah. you know, I, I pick my games. I play when the game's good. If the game is really good, I'll play for three days. I mean, I can't do it anymore, but yeah. when I was a kid, you know, I'd play, if there was a good spot, I'd never quit. And I never, I never capped my wins. And, you know, I, I would, I would recognize leaks that people had. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah. do the little things better than, better than all the really smart and, guys. And that's that's like, a good point. Yeah that you make there because I was talking to Jared Blesnick, okay, after he finished fifth in the 50K, right? And and he made a great point. And I think this is another reason why you've done well is, first of all, you're a much better PLO player than I am, okay? A PLO 8, we're, we're about the same. You know, we're close, you know. But the point that, that, that Jared said is, do you think Mike Matasso, Phil Helmuth, and Daniel Negrano are good PLO players? No, but they're great tournament players that understand the value of chips, which is why the great so many of the top PLO players, they they blow up at some of these final tables because they're 
They're playing like sometimes way too fast. They don't understand the value of the chips. I mean, one thing you've learned over the years is when you get the chips, you know, you you just got to pick. You just got to be patient. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to like play it so much like a cash game. And so like at that 50K final table, there was like three killers at the table and they went out like uh, fifth, fourth and third. Or, or yeah, six, I, you, you, I, you don't remember what I was saying. You finished like seventh, right? In that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, the tournament structure is is a unique art. And I mean, I think that Daniel is, I, I'm probably Daniel's biggest fan and Me advocate. He, he plays every game amazing. And yeah comes to tournament poker he really understands everything all the little things and he does it right right um phil is a different story i i respect phil um he's obviously the most decorated world series of poker player ever um he does what he does (laughs) did you laugh you're right he does what he does and he does unorthodox things Okay, but like we talked about earlier is he does. Okay, yes, he does so many things that me and you will look at and we cringe. We're like, did he really just do that? Is he really, you know, but but he does so many things so well that other people don't do. And I think the thing that that you recognize and I recognize a lot more than other people is they it's really easy to see the bad in people and and not see the good things he does now. Again, we're very close. I have literally, I knew that in that he was never going to win many bracelets playing Hold'em anymore because people are just so good. So we're close. And when things were bad for me, he was there for me. And so he wants to tell everyone and go down as the best player of all time. And I said, well, if you want to go down as the best player of all time, you need to start winning mixed game bracelets and get good at them. And I spent hundreds of hours teaching him. And he has become literally a world-class Omaha 8 or better player. Um, his Raz, uh, he does shit that's crazy. But, I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing in that game. Uh, I've taught yeah. him the stud 8. Uh, I've taught him the triple draw where he was god-awful in it before. I've worked on him with the with the single draw, and and now he's you know seven final tables in seven different games, and uh, you know I'm I'm happy that I did that, and he gives me a lot of credit for it. But you know, Phil, the thing about Phil is he'll listen to me when it comes to mixed games, right? But like when I see things where I give you an idea, I don't want to you know say anything bad, but I I'm in a a, a private game that I, I I've been crushing, right? Let's just say I've won 24 weeks in a row and Phil's lost eight out of 10 weeks, right? And, I'm, and I try and say, Phil, you know, um, I see what you're doing wrong. I don't want to hear it, Mark. I want 28 million playing No Limit Hold'em. I'm a thousand times better than you'll ever be in No Limit Hold'em. Don't give me No Limit Hold'em advice. But, you know, you've on the other hand, he's seen all the advice I've given him in the mix games. He used to always say that I was that he feared me more no limit holding than any player in the world back in the mid 2000s. So I obviously if I've helped him with the mix games, why is he so he won't let me show him the few things that he needs to fix in a no limit? You know, that's just Phil. Me, you know, I'm good at no limit holding. <laughs> I like when you do that, buddy. You know, so. It, it's, That's awesome. 
it's uh you know it's just like a catch twenty two with him. You know he's he's got an ego, and if he ever fixes ego, and if he ever let's put it this way, if he ever put the work in like Daniel did, because I think Phil Reed's cards better, way better than Daniel. I mean, he could be a top, top, top no limit holding player again, but it's not going to happen because he believes his way is the right way. And uh, but who are we to say that? I mean, who are we to say that his way isn't the right way? Right way. We're we cannot say that the guy's won everything there is to win. And I mean, it was what is it a month ago? He came in second in a fifty k versus all the fucking shirts. So we can't say. I mean, there's different ways to skin a cat in poker, and Phil has found a knack that he performs amazingly that nobody else can do so to sit here and say that i just i'm a huge fan for people that do things different i agree i came i came up in you know my dad i started gambling when i was in high school and i always knew i wanted to be a gambler um whether it was going to be a poker player or some sort of pool player or Even, you know, there was, you know, just street hustling. Um, So I did it different. Everybody around me was going to college and then was going to get a job. And I had to listen to my dad tell me all the time, when are you going to get a job? When are you going to get a job? Even, I mean, even after I won two and a half million dollars in 2004, it was, it was, it wasn't, okay, well, you can actually do this. You're going to be successful. It was, okay, let's start a business now. Yeah. So I, I, we, I should, had, we should have listened by the way, when we had all the money in the early 2000s and started some businesses, but, but you know, so I have the utmost respect for people that do things differently and, you know, I, I'll make fun of Phil and I'll poke fun at Phil because he's so, he brings it on himself. He does. There's nobody. And the, the thing that only that kind of hurts a little bit of me and him become because during COVID, we've become very close. Like I talk to him an hour a day, every day on the phone. And, um, you know, the thing is now that we're real close, I can't needle him anymore because he, he's like he gets he goes crazy when I do it. I said, Phil, do you understand that me needling you at the table is good for your brand? You know what I'm saying? And and so, uh, you know, we got in a big fight about a week and a half ago because I needled him at a table uh, and he went crazy, you know. And he's like, well, you started it. I said, buddy, you lost 600 in the pot. I just got stacked for 11,000. There's three fish in the table down over 30,000 and you're crying over 600 bucks. But that's what he does, you know. So he in the old days, you know, we'd have gone back and forth and said he took it personal that I attacked him for it and he went crazy on me and uh yeah, whatever. It's the way he is, you know. He's he's never going to stop making money playing poker because nobody can figure out what he's doing, yeah. and he's he's doing it different. Yeah. And good for him, you know. Yeah. It's it's. I wish there's nothing that there there's no bigger compliment than everybody calling you a sucker, but you continue to you continue to perform. <laughs> exactly, it, man. It's I the mean. biggest. As long as people think you're a sucker, you're going to make money. I mean, when they when they go on 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 the on the internet and saying I can't compete and I can't beat high limit poker again and that idiot fucking from the WPT starts wanting to book me at even money. I mean, I'm just laughing like the guy's never played a hand of poker with me. Who's he to talk shit? You know, and uh, 
you know, I, I watch these people and they bring my name up and they're like, oh, I feel sorry for Mike. He's in a wheelchair. He's, his, his life's ruined. My life's not ruined. I guarantee you this. I've made more money playing poker the last two years than 99.999% of the poker people in the world. You know what I'm saying? So I don't need to brag about it, you know, because I owed people a lot of money and I paid a lot of my debts and I pieced, pieced myself out. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're come, when you're struggling to come up and you've gone broke before and you don't want to go broke again, you know, you got to piece yourself out. So, you know, it started off, I was playing these big games, 10%, 15%, 20%. Before you know it, I had all of myself. But it was, you know, it was a, I, I, I had a nice little big run, but I, I forgot how good I was at No Limit Hold'em. I was one of the best No Limit Hold'em players in the world, and, and I forgot how good I was. And now... I know we've I been on 10 minutes and you've told me how great you are about like 30 times. Have I really? Well, I'm not, and that's, you know what? I'm not like that either. That's the funny part, you know, but what I'm trying what I was basically trying to say is, is I feel You're good. Like, yeah. I, but I forgot I, when I, I lost confidence and I started yeah. thinking after my injury, can I compete in poker anymore? Am I any good? You know what I'm saying? And then I just started realizing you know, if you put the time in, if you focus, everything we talked about it, that, hey, you know, I, I forgot how good I was. That's all I'm trying to yeah, say. I but, deal with that. I, I deal with thinking I suck like yeah. every other session. So I mean, I gave away 15000 in two pots yesterday, and all I did is say, I suck, I suck, I suck. I, I quit the game. I sat in bed saying, how could you do this? How could you play two hands that bad? You know, but like, again, everything's a learning. What are you going to do? You learn from those mistakes. You realize right. what you did in that hand and you better yourself the next day. And that's the difference between Mike Mattisau 2022 and Mike Mattisau 2008. That's it. You know, I think that's of every great. day to better myself and make myself a better person. I think that's really important. So what yeah. we're going to do is we're going to open up the phone lines. Uh, we're going to have people ask some questions to you. And then uh, you can, uh, we'll talk about that story you wanted to tell me. And uh, we'll uh, talk about a little bit about the up and coming 2022 World Series. So uh, cool. let's uh, light up the phone lines and talk with me and the mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702 329 And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call in segment will be live. 702 329 0480. Give us a call. Me and Josh Aria are on the lines waiting to hear from you. 702 702- Three two nine zero four eight zero. We'll be here a while waiting for people to call. Oh no, that usually get about five or six calls right away. Uh, but probably, probably today because there's who knows why. But um, you know, like like also when we were talking, um, uh, it 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 really is an adjustment from. Like I don't know how big a gambler you used to be. We know you know how sick I used to be in sports. Uh, do you are you still gambling big at sports, or are you just no, no not at all. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, if there's a good game, like uh, I'll dabble a little during the Masters because I love watching the Masters, yeah. and then like um, I 
play a little fantasy football. And so that's enough to, uh, to enjoy watching NFL. But yeah, like if I'm watching a playoff basketball game, I might bet like 500 or a thousand. Okay. So we're, we're we're in the same ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm done going through the headaches of losing a big number in sports. Yeah. And, and the thing is people, like I say, I haven't bet sports in four and a half years and they'll be like, what do you mean, Mike? You just bet a thousand on the game, but they don't understand uh, when I, uh, they don't understand how sick we used to be, you know, like you look at the card and it's 5,000 on, I don't know if you're as bad as me, but it was 5,000 on every game, every halftime. Uh, and then uh, it was, I was so sick. But, but yeah, it's it's not fun. It's 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 just as as I've gotten older, I've just tried to limit the self inflicted headaches that um, yeah. that stuff causes. It does. All right. All right. Welcome to the mouthpiece. You're on the phone with me and Josh Aria. Who, who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Rod. Hey, Rod. How you doing? Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, Mike. I oh. wanted to talk to you about something that I guess is a little bit unpleasant, but something okay. that you might have, you know, particular insight into because you're kind of hooked into the, you know, at least the people that used to play high stakes and maybe still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been hearing a lot of accusations about cheating in uh, online gambling and actually in live tournaments, probably more specifically the higher stakes online and mm-hmm. <clears throat> more recently the high stakes tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get your opinion on whether it really is that rampant and what could be done about it. And if it's something that would cause you to not want to play high stakes online or maybe uh, not the high roller. I mean, the, the, the things that, uh, that I've heard from the grapevine, I think I touched on this about four podcasts ago um, was uh People using the RTA program, which is called Real-Time Assistance. I didn't know what it was, but if you connect it to a tournament, it basically, every time, based on your stack size, uh, it tells you when you're supposed to raise, when the three bet. And I heard, uh, again, I'm not going to name any names because it's not my spot, but I heard the same thing about a few top pros that were using it and crushing games at GG Poker in the big uh, online events. Uh, I had brought it up to Daniel. He said they were struggling with that problem and that it was fixed now. So uh, that's basically the gist of it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm, the names are out there. You you can say the names. The names are out there. Yeah, but I mean, the names are out there in the poker world. They're not really out there in the Oh, public. no, they're, they're on Twitter. Yeah, I was reading about it today. Oh, you were. Yeah. I mean, I know all the names, you know what I'm saying? I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not my spot to say it, but yeah, uh, there's, uh, two, two of the probably top 10, no limit players in the world that there's pretty credible evidence against. And, uh, and that's it. You know, I just, uh, I know, uh, recently in, in, uh, in the live tournament, there was a guy named Ollie that was, Mm-hmm. That was accused of like looking at cards. Well, he was also really he was a, he was he was one of the people accused of the online cheating also. So uh, okay, but I, right. I thought about this internally a lot, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna uh, Rod, I'm gonna talk about this exact hand that you're talking about. So what what Rod is talking about is 
a hand that went down, and I think it was the 250K entry in Cyprus. Okay. Uh, they were in, uh, I think there was very few people, maybe one table left. And Ali sees his neighbor's hold cards. Okay. And his exact hole cards were the Ace of Diamonds and the Five of Hearts. And Ali gets into a spot where he's in the big blind, I believe. And he calls the big blind. The flop comes two, four, six, all diamonds. Okay. So the guy's got a gutter ball and uh, and a diamond draw, correct? No, no. The guy folded the Ace the ace of Diamonds and Five of Hearts. Okay. So, so Ali knows this guy's cards. Okay. So now here is my question. How do you, I know for me. I'm going to tell somebody I saw his hand and I'm going to say it to the table. That, correct. That's me. Correct. Okay. It's, it's, it's an exposed hand mm-hmm. that an unfair um, advantage that Ali has. Okay. So in this situation, Ali is 1000% supposed to say, hey guys, I saw his hand. I think it's the Ace of Diamonds, the Five of Hearts. Correct. The dealer to flip him up and verify it with everybody else. Correct. Ali didn't do that. I'm assuming I didn't see the hand live. I just saw the recap of the. I saw. I saw a, a video of it. It's a little bit more complicated than what you said, and a little bit more uh, nefarious because he didn't just see it as like um, as a matter of him. Uh, as, as a, the other guy, like exposing the card because he was extremely sloppy, so he, so it was very obvious of- that he looked. It was obvious that he looked intentionally to see it, and then the next day he showed up with sunglasses on. He wasn't wearing sunglasses yeah. the first day. Now that might have been a troll, you know. But you know, there's also a pe- now. I don't know. I'm only know. I only know from what I hear. I'm not really that involved in the poker world. I. You know, it's a hobby of mine, but I'm not involved in, like, the high-level poker world. Apparently, he has a reputation of being a, uh, like, an edge seeker, you know, under any means necessary. You know, so. That's a fact. If this was a one-off, if this was a one-off, that would be one thing, but it's a a pattern with him. So, and this isn't even really what I was talking about. It was really the the real, because this is something that could be you know, like spotted out and, and dealt with because this was kind of like obvious and insulting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's really like the real-time assistance that I was talking about. Yeah. And in tournaments, you know, like chip chip dumping, soft playing. Um, I, I mean, mean like so many ways you could cheat I, with, with, uh, with, with stables. I mean, again, I agree with you. Um, I, I've never been a big fan of high, high-stakes online tournaments because there's only a certain amount of people in them. Uh, a lot of the times, some of these people, they're all staying in the same room when they go on vacation. Uh, and there's a, listen, I know there's a lot of these big, big time players that ghost other people's account in re- that they can't get in on big online private games. And I mean, right. I, I know one guy who admitted it to me. I mean, he admitted that he cheats. You know, he's like, "Oh well, I can't get into the games. I got to make money somehow." And well, I didn't. Gus Hansen get caught, and he admitted that he did it. Gus, back. I never heard that. Did you hear that? I think uh, it was uncle. a game with Bill Perkins. It was a, and Bill Perkins made a uh, a, a post it, it on was, on Twitter that this is huge news. And oh, I remember that. Was it was, was it Gus Gus involved or was somebody else? Yeah. I think it was somebody Gus, else. It was Gus. Oh, it was. I do remember that. You know, listen, I, um, 
wrong. It was Jungle Man. Jungle Man. That's right. I knew it wasn't Oh, Gus. no, no. I'm sorry. You're right. It was Jungle Man. I, I knew it wasn't Gus. Gus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember the hand. Yeah, it was Jungle Man. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. The, no, the, but Mike, the question I, really is: Is real time assistance cheating? Yes, you know, like it's yeah. basically like it's like using a, uh, a basic strategy chart at uh, at blackjack, just much more. It's it's much more it's much more better than that because it tells you when you're in the game as right. the, it's it's running the software as you're playing, so it has everybody's stack sizes in the game. So it's basically telling you when you're supposed to raise, when you're supposed to three bet. And so it's right. for somebody I mean, you're, you're you're inputting assumptions about ranges and stuff like that, but yeah. it's obviously you know a lot of help. The other problem is is that there's two different kinds of real time assistance. There's a kind of real time assistance that you and I have access to, maybe, but then there's the other kind of real time assistance that people are spending fifty thousand, a hundred thousand to create super machines that I heard about and it's just a, a like a whole nother level. May, you know, I, you so, know what? You might be you might be right. I've my whole life I've never been a proponent for playing more than a thousand dollar buy in online. I that's just me. Uh I I, I've seen, you know, I've told people the story when I was work, working for Full Tilt in 2010, and we were in Brazil, and they took us to a pre-tournament party at this mansion uh, right outside of Sao Paulo, and we get there, and they're showing me around the house. It's this big mansion. It's right on the water. It's gorgeous, right? And when I go upstairs, there's a room probably the size of the Bellagio poker room, maybe bigger. No, it was bigger, and it had rows of machine of computers up and down, up and down. And I said, "Well, what's this for?" He goes, "Oh, we teach people how to play online poker tournaments here." And the first thing I said to myself is, "They ain't teaching anybody. They're these people are all playing and probably chip dumping to each other." That was the first time I really right. saw anything that resolved major cheating. You see, what I'm saying and. If you yeah. are, if so, there was about, and I'm be honest, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna, sometimes I over exaggerate, but I'm gonna say there was a hundred computers and monitors in this room. And if you get a hundred competent people, right, that are buying in like the Poker Star Super Million or the whatever the full tilt big tournament is, and you're able to, to get a stack and you're able to, you know, dump off, to, you know what I'm saying? You're talking about, a minuscule amount of money for a big return. Now, I'm not saying that how was about happening. Just knowing dead, how about just knowing dead cards on the table that, that you're playing on? Well, that's what I've always said, like, when it comes to PLO, and Josh could, could touch on this a little bit. Oh, is, forget about it. It's oh. like, if I'm sitting, if me and Josh are sitting next to each other, and we're lo- both sitting in the same game in a six-max PLO, and we could see eight cards, no matter, we don't you have to do lose. any, they, we can't lose. We could play... A, B, C, straightforward, and we can't lose. And so I can't say I felt it. I've never really felt in a PLO game where I felt like I was getting cheated, you know, but I always tell people about the full tilt days when Guy Liberté was playing and you had five people who were equity chopping every hand. And I thought that was cheating. Barry Greenstein thought it was cheating, where a lot of the people felt it wasn't. But the truth of the matter is, if when, when Guy would go all in with the nuts or, you know, top set or whatever, you know, and then three other people would call him with gutter balls or flush draws or straight draws, if they're yeah, not equity cheating. chopping, are they making that call for the big bet? 
What's your opinion on that, Josh? Um, I, I, it's definitely cheating. Yeah, um, I think it's, so too. it's, I mean, just fucking play poker. And mm-hmm. if you're not good enough, I, I just, the, all that shit, like, it's just, it's not my style. I, yeah. I think that I'm going to succeed in whatever situation I decide to put myself in and all those extra factors. Um, I'm just a fan of a, level playing field me too um, now uh, it's now, like go, the- going back to the level playing field which is what i've been stressing for years and i get of course a lot of pull, push pushback from daniel and phil is and we could talk about this after uh matter of fact is uh hey i appreciate the call we're gonna we're gonna take another call and uh thanks for calling i appreciate Good it talking to you. nice talking to you yep. and I, you know, about talking about, and we'll get, we'll get another call here in a second. We'll talk about the level playing field. I believe that the max late reg is so bad for poker. I think it's, you know, when two thirds of the field are out and you're able to buy in a PLO tournament with 30 or 40 big blinds and 300 people are out, you know, tournament poker is stay alive long enough to give yourself a chance to get lucky, not being able to buy in with two thirds of the field are out. And if you look at all the people that have finished in the top five best all around the last five years, like, like 90% are, they max like late reg every event. And uh, what's your opinion on that? I, we've hammered this. I thought we hadn't talked about this. I wasn't sure. I completely disagree with okay. you. Um, I let it's a level playing field. Everybody has the option to do it. Mm-hmm. And but what about the recreational players? The guy that tells me that buys in the twenty five hundred nine game, sixty uh, five year old man li- last year and says, "I'm not buying. I'm not playing anymore. Fuck this. I get here on time and they move me ten times. I'm not that good a poker player. I need to figure out how everybody plays. But everybody that late regs, I have to keep moving off tables and they get rewarded for late regging. What do you say to a guy like that? Late reg." Yeah, I mean, it's tough to tell a, an amateur player to do that, you know? Well, yeah. well I, if you feel like it's unfair and you're allowed to do what's unfair, mm-hmm. I mean, in 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 a – like, I never max late reg. I, I mean, you won the PLO8, you jump right in on day two, right? You, this year? You're clueless. You're clueless. I got knocked out of the – I got knocked out of something, you, and I read and I registered in like level two. Oh, well, there uh, wasn't there one you registered day two and won this year? Or no, no. Okay, I'm the sorry. Fifty k the the fifty k's I reg at the end of day one okay. every time. Yeah. I play one level at the end of day one, hoping to find somebody tired. Um, and that's only because I understand that I have no edge to sit there and battle with people. Okay. That's the way I feel too. So that's what I was and, Um, but no, and I feel like I have an edge. If it's a game that I feel like I have an edge in, I want to sit down three hours before and play more levels. Yeah. It's, I, I totally disagree with your argument. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that thinks that they have an advantage late regging, just fucking max lay reds. Yeah. That's the that's that's your answer. 
there's, and there's, and I'm gonna there, I, I I'm going to do that this year, um, especially in the limit events because. The thing is, is like, and, and, and I was talking to John Monet about this, and I, he feels like in the limit events, it's correct to come in for the last two levels uh, where it's three, 6,000 and you get like eight big bets. Because uh, people don't, re- I mean, you understand this, but eight big bets in limit is basically two hands to the river. And by the time late at night, you know, all hands are head up three way action where if you start on time, yeah, you could build a big stack. But it's also, you know, you get three, four, five-way actions, and you're going to take a lot more beats, too. So, you know, it, 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 it's two ways to look at it. Step off screen. I'm going to turn this light on. Yeah, okay, no problem. So um, 702-329-0480. Um, give us a call. There's an easy solution to just lay reg. That's all. I mean, it's... Yeah. Well, it's I have no problem with it. I'm just worried about the... the I'm more worried about the recreational player... You know, like, I'm worried that they're going to turn the World Series of Poker into unlimited re-entries and all the people who have money are just going to drown out all the re- recreational players. And I, that's what worries me. Uh, does that well, worry you at main all? Event, no. The main event and, and all the events that are 1,500, the, the, all the events up to 1,500 and the main event, uh, there's never going to be an issue. The fields this year are going to be the biggest ever probably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people that put up 10 K to play stud or to play horse or whatever, they're not dummies. And they, mm-hmm. they, they play poker. Um, like they're not just, Oh, I'll just make a decision. Yeah. Let's go down the list and, Oh, I'll try this. Right. That, that, that's not the way that it is. Um, I don't think, I'm completely on the other end okay. of the spectrum. A lot of people are on the other end of the spectrum. Like I, uh, during my documentary filming, I interviewed, uh, I don't know, 30 different people on the subject. And uh, about 25 of the 30 agreed with me. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's uh, it's an argument that, and the thing that, that, that I really was pushing for that really bothered me, I think, the most is the main event. They have six starting days. I think everybody should show up at noon. You have six starting flights, and and the whole playing field is even. You know, being letting people be able to buy in on day two of the main with a hundred big blinds. It just seems when 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 so many of the amateurs are pl- again. You said the same thing. Well, they could buy in on day two, but they don't look at it like that. They don't. They don't run charts. They don't know if it's an edge for them or not. I, you know, Chris, Any, Fer- Chris Ferguson buddy. told me you should max late reg every tournament except the main, and he finished top three best all around three years in a row. So, well, kind of and, to it. and late regging the main event is literally I agree. stupid. It's stupid on so many levels. One, the main event is fun. Like, it's so much like fun. there's if there's an event that is actually like. Other than when you're sitting, like when you're playing the 50K and it's all people that you know and everybody is, you know, playing with a big stack of chips and enjoying themselves. But the main event is so unique. You sit down with nine people that you don't know yeah. and everybody so happy to be there. Right. It's, it's, it's number one, it's a lot of fun. And number two, you're never, ever, ever going to play an event where your ROI is higher than it is. So Never. why on earth would you ever I agree. 
mislevels. So the thing is, is is they they said that on the two day uh, on the on the day twos uh, uh, were, were after they were able to buy in on day two. There was only a hundred and sixty total people that bought in on day two. So what I was basically saying is. If only 160 people out of 9,000, why not just get rid of the rule? Because it's not like there's they're getting thousands of people to sign up on day two. Well, I yeah. think that they, I, I would think that you are um, making it convenient for people that have jobs that, that can't come out to Vegas, play a day, sit around for four days, and then wait to play yeah. the next day. Huh. You know, it's people, people do work and... You, they're just trying to make it convenient for them, and I, I, I just well, anything to get anything to get more people in poker fields is mm-hmm. good for me. I, I want, I want the most people gambling that that can possibly be there. I don't think anybody should be turned down. So and what? Late bench, bench makes the fields bigger, and um, you know, it gives you a chance. It gives you and me a chance to play more tournaments. You know, we we can play a tournament during the day. And we can dust off, and then you know you got your guy that tilt buys mm-hmm. the that tilt buys into the to the three p.m. at eleven p.m. Yeah. So there, right. there's I, I think that late reg is nothing but good. What do you think of? Let's just say again, this is something that I don't play the tournament because of it. The five diamond in December, like ten k buy in unlimited re-entries all the people being staked have unlimited money they're just sitting there just just any flush draw any pair just trying well, to our, run up a stack and do you think that that is a, le- a level playing field to let's just say i don't know a I, few hundred wrecks that buy, have one bullet okay well that's the one reason why i don't play that tournament okay because so we are on the same playing field there okay it's um it's but I, I don't – I'm not disgruntled about it. I am totally aware of the playing field. Mm-hmm. I'm totally aware that people that are ready to spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand, um, it that that tournament is a thirty k event. Yeah. So I agree. You know, I I'm not going to go out there and put myself through the headache of of you know playing. Uh, it's not a ten k buy in. So. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not mad about it. Do what you got to do. Everybody wants to have these glorified numbers and make it look a certain way and do it. it that's, that's fine. That tournament's just not for me. If it was a, if it was a 2k with unlimited entry fee, yeah, I'd be out there because I can afford to, to play a tournament in my mind that it's a, it's a four bullet. Do you, okay. if I was to ask you, okay, which way you would rather have it? Would you rather have it like we used to have it where everything was a freeze out or and the only ones that were like rebuys were like the deuce to seven, no limit, which I think we should go back to to the two hours of unlimited reentries and make it a 5K. That was the only difference is now instead of like you get Daniel or Tom Dwan at the same table punting off five ball, hundred balls each. And this way somebody gets a big stack. Instead of this time you go broke, you got to go back to the thing, re-enter, and then you get back in for another five. I think they should go back to unlimited re-entries on the no limit deuce. Uh, but I'm against, the, I, I just think all 10 Ks and above should be freeze outs. Uh, that's my opinion. I, What's your opinion I on think that? The 10 Ks, the 10 Ks at the world series are freeze outs. Yeah, they are. Um, except for, except for like, 
I think that like the twenty five. I think the Holdems. I think there's one one reentry. Yeah, the hundred K, the fifty K. They have one reentry each. Yeah. You know, I think of it um, for myself and what's best for me, um, and I think that for my liking, I think one reentry um, in in all the holdems is good. I think PLO is a different game. I think PLO should have two re-entries. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'm on the side of you. If you remember Devilfish, Devilfish is the one that came up with the idea when you bought him for 10K, they give you 5K in chips and a lammer. So if you went broke with the 5K, you basically, it was like having two bolt bullets on one. And I kind of liked that at the time. Uh, but that was, what do you I think of that? Like that. I think it limits the prize pool. I just think that you just get one bullet for your buy-in and, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to buy in again. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the world series, I mean, we don't need to, to it's our opinions, not really going to matter, but right. I think that one re-entry is fair for, um, for the rec players and, and two re-entries in Omaha, just because there's such higher variance. Um, in the 10K, but, in the 10K PLO, there's no reentry, right? In the 25K, there's one. Is that correct, or am I wrong? I think so. I yeah. think so. I don't think that there. I think all the 10K, the championship events, are yeah. freeze outs. Yeah, I think you're right. And 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 listen, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, the sports. How you like watching the playoffs? Everything is high level. Well, that I wanted to relate that to when we play the 10Ks. Like you. Everybody knows each other. Most of us know how everybody plays, and everybody's playing at the highest level. And I, that's why people ask me, like, why don't I play hold, so much Hold'em at the World Series? I'm like, because, first of all, I think I'm one of the best mixed games players in the world. Number two, I love the camaraderie of being around, seeing the – it's kind of like – they weren't around. You were around when the when the horseshoe days, when it was like a family affair. You showed up at the World Series. There was 250 of us. We all knew each other. It was like great to see everybody. I mean, do you, you, you feel the same way now, don't you, about the 10Ks? And it's, yeah, I, it's great. I mean, the, the 10Ks being freeze-outs is great. It's, you know, um, rebuys just do so much for the prize pools. And I'm just a fan for, you know, getting – keeping the keeping the playing field as close to fair as possible but also at the same time trying to bring as much money into the prize pools yeah and it, I, I think that they've done a good job um and on top of you know they have a million things to worry about and oh, they do um, a great job i mean yeah. They, I they, mean, people People like cry, like, ah, they're robbing people. Look at all the money. You know what? I was talking to Jack, and then it's like, people think we're making all this money. They don't know how much the cost of water, the cost of this. He, you know, people like say, well, they take $81 million out of the prize pool or $100 million during the World Series. Jack told me they make between 10 and 15 and I believe them. You know, that's, you know, that's... It's what, it is what it is. We've paid rake our whole life. I mean, yeah. it started... For me, it started at the pool hall, and when you played somebody pool and you gambled, and if you beat somebody, you always had to pay the table time. And so you go up and you get a hundred bucks, and you pay fifteen, twenty dollars for table time, and you know it's just like rake. So do you do you is, remember? Do you remember when Becky t- took over the horseshoe, right? And they upped the rake from from like uh, 
two percent to like three or four percent, and everybody went crazy. <laughs> Can you? Imagine? I mean, now no, it's ten percent on everything. I mean, I've always, I've always just tried my best to think of different ways that I can be a better version of me mm-hmm. when it comes to competing. Yeah. And um, so I, I've just, you know, if if it gets to a point where you think you it's impossible to succeed, then you need to find something else to do. Agree. But um, I, I've just always just. You know, I just have to be better. If the rate goes up, I have to be better. Yeah. If I can't be better, then I'm done, and I'll go do something else. You know, I tell people all the time. I don't know your feeling on this. Is I, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on uh, your company, Pocket Fives, here in a minute. Uh, so when I, you know, I go and play these tournaments. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, Mike's broke. He's selling half. I sell half of myself for two reasons. A, I like fucking. I don't. I when you're buying it for ten k, it's a and you're playing 15 of them at the World Series, uh, it's easy to go 0 for 15. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, a lot of times I don't feel like losing 150K. So I sell half of myself, you know, and people say, well, why do you charge so much markup? Well, it's the thing is, is I've been around a long time. And what it's it's in the poker world, let's just say, if the poker players were, were buying a half of you, Maybe it's a lot for markup, but the people that are buying are putting up like there are a hundred people putting up twenty dollars a piece, so it's costing them twenty five dollars for a twenty dollar piece, and and it's and then they could tell all their friends I got one percent of Mike Mattiso, I got one percent of Josh Aria, so it's not about mark. First of all, we live in a capitalist society. If you can get what you can get, you should. But I'm not marking up events to to rob people. I'm marking up events to give the, the, the my fans the chance to have a piece of me and uh and I've earned that right uh, uh let me let me interrupt you there yeah um so I run pocket fives yes. and we create um a staking and, uh, platform and I want you to explain to everybody what pocket fives is because it's new and so, and uh, so pocket has been um it's been an online forum for a very long time and that's just what I recently thought. And just recently, we added um, a staking marketplace to where you can buy pieces of certain players that post. And All right, hold on one second. We got another call coming in, Josh. Hold on one second. Hold that thought. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is uh, Mike and Josh. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing, Mike? Good, man. Who's this? That's all. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. I just wanted to know if y'all, uh, what are y'all's opinions on the location change of the World Series, and if there's, a, what do you see the pros and cons looking like, and y'all know any rumors about what's, what the change is going to be? Okay. Um, well, unfortunately, I don't know if Josh knows anything. I know zero. Okay. I know that I have a scooter that I drive to the front of the Rio. I drop it off at the valet. I walk in. They see me pull up. I give them a couple thousand the beginning of the World Series. They drive my scooter out and I don't worry about nothing. Now, going into the being at Bally's, I have no idea what I'm going to do right now. I have no idea what to expect. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on this, Josh? I think that it's going, we are going to really miss the Rio. Um, I think parking is going to be an incredible nightmare. Me too. Um, I think that getting to and from, even when you do finally get to park, um, 
getting to and from the table is going to be a nightmare. Leaving at night is going to, I mean, it's just, I mean, just think about. How about the weekend on the strip, leaving at right. night when you get knocked yeah. out? Oh, God, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, let's say you play the noon tournament that ends around midnight on the big weekend events that already have, you know, thousands of people playing. Now you have to fight these thousand people for, you know, to get in and out of track. It's going to be a headache and we are really going to miss being off, uh, being off the strip. Um, it's, there's going to be a lot of adjusting. I've always stayed at the Aria. Um, and, I would just take that back road and I would literally be, I would literally go from the table to my hotel room in like 10 minutes. And now it's driving. Isn't even going to be an option. I'm going to have a 20 minute walk each way, which is fine. I need to, it's good to clear in your head. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're, it's in my mind, it's a huge downgrade. Unfortunately. I agree. Um, well, uh, one other question I'll ask you, Josh, is, and I think this is good for poker, is them branding uh, Bally's as the horseshoe. I know they're doing that uh, to bring back kind of like uh, the old uh, nostalgia of the horseshoe uh, where the world's – I'm sure they're rebranding it uh, for the World Series' sake. Uh, what's your thought on that? For, for us old-timers, I'll say this. Last year during um, the World Series – Rachel, you know, we went on a date one night and we ended up at uh, the old graveyard of the old casino. This is great. I've been there. It's awesome, dude. I literally like it's just so nostalgic. And I got like a just a lot of memories, a bunch of pictures. Yeah, I just remember the valet and there's so much about the horseshoe and the kino room that that just brings back really the kino cool room where we used to play all the satellites yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's gonna be cool i hope they do it right um and i assume they will that it's, it's it's i think it's really cool that we'll pull in every day and and see the horseshoe it's uh it definitely brings back good memories yeah all right. Well, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. And uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, Mike and Josh, if you all had your schedules. Uh, I haven't even looked at the schedule yet. Have you? Um, yeah, I've looked at it a few times. Um, I it just depends. I'm do the same, and it's the same thing I've done every year for 25 years. I'll play a bunch early. If I'm running good and enjoying my time at the table, I'll keep playing. If yeah. if if I'm not enjoying my time at the table, I will play golf, hang out, go have good dinners, you know, do my, uh, I, now I'm, I'm, I have pocket fives, you know, responsibility every single day. So that takes a lot of time. Um, but I'm not gonna, one thing I've never done is beat myself up playing poker when I didn't want to play because okay. it just does. It's literally the biggest waste of time and money and headache and, so if I'm having fun and, 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 you know, getting the immediate results that I want, um, then yeah, I'll play a bunch and go for player of the year. And if not, then fuck it. I'm just going to have fun. I mean, Vegas is my favorite town and there's so much to do rather than sit at a poker table and, and be unhappy. I agree with you. 
All right, man. Well, thanks for the call, and uh, we appreciate it, and have a great week. I weekend. appreciate it, Mike. All right, my man. Thanks for taking a call from the common man, man. I you got it, it, my man. Thank you. You have a good one. You know, Josh, you know, you made a good, you made a good point there, is uh, one thing I notice about the Rio, when you get in the Rio, right? I mean, I saw, I've seen Robert Mizrachi do it. I've seen other players do it, Alan Kess or whatever. A week, 10 days into the World Series, they're crying how bad they're running, right? And we just talked about it earlier. When you start talking about bad you're running, you're just dead. So, like, even this last World Series, when I, when I started the, the, the series 0, 0 for 7, uh, but I felt I was playing really good. And so I wasn't, like, really worried about it. And I came back, uh, I ended up cashing 11 of 23. So I cashed 11 of the next 16 with three final tables. But it was, there was, like, even when I finished seventh in the 3K PLO, right? That tournament, I had just got knocked out the night before, like 13th in the limit hold'em, right? And I had Kings beat by eight, two people with Ace King, but that's, that's beside the point. And, I, and as I was leaving, I said, I can't do it no more. I can't do it no more. I can't keep fucking anteing up. It's so brutal. You know how tough it is when you get knocked out. But you know what? I woke up the next day and said, fuck it. Let's late reds the PLO. And I went there and got seventh. And the thing I think that's more, most important for the younger players is you can't get down on yourself at the World Series. If you get down on yourself, you're screwed. You have to want to be there. If you find, like you just said a minute ago, if you find yourself, you're not running good, I don't feel like playing poker, you got no shot. You got to want to be there. And that's how you well, win. You're never, you're never not going to beat yourself up. I mean, it's yeah. we're in an industry where you lose and you go home with nothing seven out of ten times, you know, yeah. playing tournament poker. And, it, like, even more. Like, I mean, it's... And, I, and I only one person's going to be happy at the end, too. So. Yeah. And so you you have to make sure to to be able to, however your particular way is you have to be able to refresh and come back your best self the next day. Yeah. Um, and and just for me, and just that's the decisions that I think that I've done good at through the years is I'm able to understand when I'm not my best self, because I know that my best self can't beat any poker game. Um, and, and if I'm not able to bring my all to the table, then I'm not going to play. Yeah. And, and, and I think that just like, so the lesson for the people that are the first timers or going back to Vegas and they haven't been able to, to do good during the world series, it is a long grind. Oof. And if you don't, if you don't find ways to go to sleep at night without thinking about poker and waking up the next day, ready to crush souls, then it's not for you. You, you have to you have to reboot and refresh and and that it, it's really it's really important to have good people around you and you know find ways to stop thinking about poker. And that yeah. that's just that's what works for me. You know, there there's going to be people that that leave the table and go home and study and and you know say that they figured it out and they're going to come back the next morning refreshed. So. Yeah. But whatever, whatever way it is, whatever works for, for you. Yeah. yeah. 
No, and, and listen, like I said, we filmed my documentary last year at the World Series, which will be coming out this year. And it really brings into light how hard a grind it really is. Like, they literally filmed every aspect of my life from going to sleep at night, from when I get home, from what I eat, from uh, the, the, the mental of, 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 you know, breaks, how you doing, how the tournament going, how, and you get to see, especially me being an emotional person, um, the emotions and how it, it really is a, a super hard grind. It's, it's like, I don't I, I tell people like Ari Engel, I, I tell him every time I see him, God bless you. You're pr- how do you do it? You know, how do you just go to even chainsaw? How do you just go from place to place to place, tournament to tournament to tournament? You know, if I was a tournament player like me and you, yeah, we're good at tournaments, but we're cash game players. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I have a lot of respect for those people that go from tournament to tournament, don't you? It is, for sure. I mean, it is a grind, and you just have to keep coming back. And, you know, hats off to them. If, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tip the cap to those guys that, yeah, me too. that, that are able to actually bring their best after get, just getting their head kicked in over and over and over. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to Pocket Fives uh, for my viewers. Explain to everybody what's going on with that. Um, Pocket Fives, it was an old, uh, or it's still, it's not old, but it's it's been a longstanding. Um, yeah, I thought it was just a forum. I didn't even know nothing about this until I, so many, recently. Uh, it's been really big in online rankings, um, tracking stats and tournaments for online players and forums and recently um we created uh, a staking marketplace and i've basically been in charge of everything that goes on there mm-hmm. and um it's you know we were talking about markup and and i'm an advocate for letting the market um figure out what people are worth you're yeah. if you're charging too high eventually you will be priced out yeah. and we're at we're at like the infancy of of online public selling it is going to grow um it's going to be you know as people it's great for people to engage with their fans you know like you people people buying small pieces um you know and 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 not even it's not even great it's it's great for people that have big investors because it allows them to do all, have all their financing in one space. Yeah. I know that you know selling pieces through the years. It's always a pain in the ass because people want to send PayPal. One guy wants to send crypto. One guy's going to give you cash here, and you know Pocket Fives allows the pro to have all their financing in one spot. Um, it, it lets you engage with your uh, your fans and. You know, from the consumer standpoint, you know, there's nothing more fun. I'm trying my best to to make the sweat even better. I mean, the reason that the NFL is so popular is because it's so easy to bet 20 bucks on a game and watch exactly. it. It's so exciting. You get to see every play. Right. But unfortunately for poker, we don't get that unless it's like a streamed final table. Correct. Um, so – my biggest, you know, hurdle to to make uh, public staking big is, is there. To- excuse me for a minute. Is there a way? Let's just say I sell half of myself and all the ten k's, the twenty five k's. 
Is there a way for the software to, at every break, kind of like punch in to the Pocket 5's uh, software, kind of like how your first hour's gone, how it's, uh, what you're sitting in chips, and this way well, people have more of a sweat? Well, what we're tinkling, tinkering with now is um, just having players – uh, post on their social media and then we'll drag it to like a scoreboard for that will just be for people that have posted. Right. So that, that would, that's great. But you know, as well as I do that the players aren't always going to post an update. Right. So it's, you know, that it's, it's, it's a work in progress, but it's, it's a great concept um, because poker sweating is exciting like uh, when i when i, I run deep i always had losers that i sweated but yeah it is exciting but but when you but when you finally have somebody at a table like at a final table i mean i refresh over and over and over to where it's like unhealthy uh, and um so we as an industry we need to make it to where the sweat is more fun and once I'm able to get over that hurdle. I think that that public staking will blow up. Um, it's 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 great for for players' engagement. It's great for the fans. Um, it, it's it's really great for everybody. And at Pocket Fives, we don't charge any. We don't charge the customer uh, uh, transaction fees. We don't charge the player. We don't take uh, any of their markup. And and, and, and uh, again, uh, in stake kings and you stake, they do take fees. Am I correct? I, I'm not familiar with right. what they do. I just know that, you know, we operate at a loss because we are trying to get more people engaged. And, right. and the way to do that is to get people excited and don't feel like when they deposit money, it's just going down a drain. And, um, so, you know, luckily the, the force behind pocket fives is, is, is a huge advocate for uh, advocate for growing poker. And, um, when it's all said and done, I, I believe that pocket fives will be a big hub for much more than content and forums and staking, um, We've got some big, some big things. Are you? Uh, uh, in, are you the owner of Pocket Fives, or are you the owner of the staking business, or are you the head? Tell me what you're. Uh, what you were. Uh, Pocket yeah. Fives. Uh, I um, was lucky enough to. Uh, I got approached back in June of last year. Hmm. Uh, a guy that's been in the industry for a long time, and he said he told me their idea, and I was all in from day one, just okay. because. It's right up my alley. Um, you know, I, I've gambled every day for 25 years, and I've staked players, and I've gotten staked. And and so it was just – it was a project that I could see if uh, – you know, it, it's a project that I would put my own money in because I see uh, such a great tool. And people getting – number one, customers getting great excitement from it. And number two, you know, we're – we're trying to put more seats, more, more butts and seats at poker tournaments. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it's a win-win. Um, uh, eventually, uh, you know, we had, uh, we had an event down, uh, at the prime social last month yeah. and, um, in Houston, in Houston we, with Justin Hammers, uh, uh, yeah. play, okay. And, 
we had everything integrated directly with the cage. So players were actually able to deduct the amount that they sold from the amount that they pay at the cage. Okay, that's so good. That was pretty cool. And Justin's got some great, you know, the way that Justin's running the tournaments down there where He's they're the updating the accounts every hour is amazing. And hopefully, uh, you know, poker, uh, the World Series will get to that point where where there's updates every hour. And, and you know, that helps. That helps. The more we engage with the people that are sweating it, yeah. the better the well, experience. Let's, let's let's just go back to 2005, 6, 7, and 8 when Card Player had all the people. They had like, I don't know, 50 different people running around getting updates. Yeah. Um, and well, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, the the Rio, the, the, the people who run the World Series, kind of ran them out and they gave yeah. it to Poker News. And... Yeah. Poker news, if you remember, they don't they don't give tubes of a fuck. And because of the fact well, that remember this year, uh, the first tournament that I bagged in, Poker News put my name down as Josh Allen. I remember that. And, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm not famous. Hey, I but... wish I was Josh Allen, don't you? <laughs> yeah. But I mean I'm not famous, but usually I would think that a poker reporter at the world series would have known who i was yeah so we got some good jokes out of it but but yeah it's um back 10 years ago there was multiple it was uh, unbelievable and it was and we can get back to that and if we're able to get back to it then it's it's going to make the uh it's going to make it much more exciting for pocket fives players I mean, um, they really need... We got another call, Josh. Let's get it. Welcome to the mouthpiece. You're on with Mike and Josh Aria. How's it going? Lower, lower the volume, please. Turn your, turn your volume down, please. All right. Or hang up, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they'll call back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, one thing I'm really glad about, and I retweeted it, is the World Series has finally realized that if they want top dealers and they don't want to be short dealers, you got to pay them. People are making 500 a day in Texas, 350, 400 a day in fucking Florida. They're not going to get up like they used to, go spend two months at the World Series of Poker, have to rent a place, and make less money. So yeah. for them going out of now, where they're, I think they're giving uh, 25 a down which is like 50 an hour. Uh, now you're going to get good. We're, we're going to go back to getting good dealers because now they can make, uh, they're going to make four, four or 500 a day. And last uh, year was tough. Um, what's that? Yeah, yeah. Last year was tough. Last, man. last year was just tough all around. And, and people were trying their best. I kept uh, telling everybody, be, be easier on the dealers. You know, the thing that bothered me the most is they had some of these dealers that never dealt come through the 10Ks the first week. And we'll get back to this in a second. Well, for the mouthpiece, this is Mike and Josh Aria. Who is this? Hey, it's John. Hey, John. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Pretty good. So you guys have been around a while. I have a question about markup. What are your thoughts about paying a large markup for someone like a Phil Halmuth or an Alan Kessler if they're charged at 1.5, 1.6. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think it should depend on 
how good of a player they are or if they're famous, it's okay to ask them for markup and actually pay the markup. What are your feelings on that? Well, I'm going to give you my feeling. I think Josh is in the same boat is um, most people that go to pocket fives or other staking areas are fans of famous players. Okay. So uh, let's just say uh, uh, somebody who's a much better no limit player, a top notch, no limit player, but nobody knows who he is. And he's trying to sell uh, half on the hundred K for 1.3 or one point. He's not going to get it because people aren't most people that, that buy pieces of people is because they want, they want to win, but they want to sweat their best play, their the people that they know of. So they want to tell their friends, you know, Hey, I got 1% of Mike Madison. I got 1% of Phil Helmut. I don't think the markup, I don't think the markup means anything. Uh, you could, you could, uh, what's your opinion on this, uh, Josh? Um, I well, first off, I've already said it is eventually the market will 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 weed out people that charge too much. Yeah. There are going to be exceptions. And when I look at the site and I see a good no limit player that nobody's heard of selling at one point oh five, and then oh it I see Phil Helmuth selling at one point five. Right. I think that the person buying understands what he's doing. Um, he understands that at that point, you're not buying for value. You're buying for entertainment. 100% um, correct. Somebody else, you buy somebody else uh, for value. But, you know, there's different reasons that we that we gamble online. You know, we gamble online for the entertainment of it, or we gamble online to help a friend or we gamble to um, for an investment. So when you know nobody is nobody's worth one point five usually. Other there's a few events. Mm, the that, main event. The main event. I think anybody who's competent is worth one point five. Yeah, but like in your average, you know, whatever. There's different. There 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 are exceptions, but usually when you know Phil Helmet sells at one point five for a fifty k. You're buying for the entertainment value. You're 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 investing in your favorite player, and you're freaking an owner of a team. Yeah. You know if you if you could had the if you if you had the chance to invest in the Green Bay Packers, like I remember a long time ago that they sold stock in the Green. They Bay still Packers. do. Fans own, fans own the team still. Yeah. And, and yeah. what do they get out of it? Nothing. It's entertainment. Right. You know and. So you have to look at what your um, intentions are. Are you trying to make money? If you're trying to make money, then you don't pay 1.5 for Phil Helmuth or for My anybody ROI else. My ROI is the best ROI in history. I'll say that. Phil, I'm sorry to use Phil as an example, but no, it's, it's the perfect because because Phil has a huge following. A lot of people love him. He's a great player, mm-hmm. and he charges high markup because he knows what he can get. Um, with, with that said, you, you do do you want to be entertained? Then mm-hmm. that's why you would invest in Phil. And do you buy a piece of, you know, Kevin Robichaux because, you know, or, or Brock Parker because right. he's a good player and at yeah. a good value? And when it's all said and done, you get the same amount of sweat. Right. But the fact that you call your buddies and say, "Hey, guys." I got a hundred dollars on uh, in, in Phil Helmuth's entry fee, which is pretty freaking cool. 
You know, it's which it's is a big difference because somebody would say, "Well, why don't you just buy a piece of them on a Mike McDonald's site?" Uh, and I'm like, "Well, Mike McDonald's site, you're just buying shares. Where right. on, when you're on Pocket Fives or any of the other stake places, you're actually buying an actual part of their buy-in." And I think that really makes a difference. You agree? Yeah, and and it's it's really cool. Like you know, Eric Seidel is. I've always been a huge Eric Seidel fan mm-hmm. and I reached out to him about this. He like had open arms. It was so awesome. Um, and, and he like, he would text. How much did, yeah. like, well, let's get this call. Welcome to the mouthpiece. You're on with Mike and Josh. How's it? Who's this? Mike, this is Matt again from St. Louis. Hey buddy. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Great. How are you? Good. Uh, first question, just want to know if you're still selling pieces, and if so, how I go about buying them. Okay, so I'll be selling half myself in all the 10Ks and above, and I will be selling them on uh, Josh's site on Pocket Fives. Uh, I have, rec- uh, in all the other years, done it on U-Stake uh, uh, because uh, Phil had a very small piece of it, uh, and so he asked me to. But, you know, Josh is... Uh, uh, very big and very big invested in this place, and so I told him that I will be selling him there. So what you need to do is uh, talk, Josh. What, what if he wants to buy a piece of me or any big players at the main event at the World Series this year? What, how does he go about uh, putting money you on just, your site? You just uh, go to pocketfives.com and create an account and click on the staking. And as the World Series gets closer, I will start to put. Uh, um, the World Series packages up there. Right now, next week, uh, there's a big head-up event on Poker Go. Uh, I'll have some pieces of some all-notable players um, on there. And that that event's a lot of fun because you actually can sweat it on your Poker Go subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the World Series go, it's really, really simple. It's, you know, create an account, click the staking, and find the guy that you want, and... Uh, you know, you're in action. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very easy once you get used to it. All right. That sounds good. Awesome. Um, you guys brought up a good point a few minutes ago about, um, them having to pay, you know, the dealers more to, you know, move the tournaments along and all that. We, I, we recently had a circuit event here in St. Louis and trying to play the tournaments was just horrendous. I mean, you had to, stand in line for like 45 minutes just to sign up and then it was another three or four hours before you finally got your seat and that's if you arrived early wow and then you get your seat and you only got like 10 big blinds and it was just it was a train wreck well so, you could also show you uh, could also sign up the day before and then you don't have to worry about that <laughs> yeah. well you know, in their defense yeah, i mean they they, it, they obviously don't want it to be that way um and a lot of times, you know, staff is overwhelmed and, you know, dealers are hard to come by. A good dealer is is uh, worth their weight in gold, man. It's, um, you know, poker is well, live the poker. Most of the dealers I had when I was there, they were, they were trash. I mean, you know, one of them, I was playing at one table and one of them exposed somebody's card. And then one of the players said, hey, I saw the card. You know, I think it was a jack, but it was definitely a face card. And the dealer takes a peek at it and he goes, no, you're wrong. And then at the end of the 
hand, they, they, they just played out the hand like nothing happened. And then the dude said, yeah, it was a face card. And the dealer's like, no, but it wasn't the Jag. So we just yeah, well, unfortunately, like, yeah. all, you know, in, like in, that, you know? in all, all aspects to life, we're going to come across situations where the staff is, is untrained to, you know, and, and takes away from the experience. Um, luckily at, you know, most of my live poker is done at the world series of poker. And, uh, at the beginning of the month, it's usually a little rough. Uh, they weed out some people at the beginning and, you know, you just, it's, it's, we just have to be patient. And, and I, you know, I just try to look at it. If the dealers tilt me, I've lost the battle. Like something as, something as small as, you know, you know, gameplay being not that great. Um, you know, you've lost the battle when you can't, you know, get past that. And I, I just, I try to help and, and be, I don't know if passion is the right word, but understanding um, uh, of, you know, the bad dealers, the, they're nervous as shit. You know, they're doing something that they're not good at. And when they get nine angry people yelling at them, I mean, I'd throw the fucking deck up in the air and leave. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you just, you just have to have patience. And that's, you know, that's no. my best advice because you're going to, you're going to do better in the long run when everybody else is irritated, but you, you've kept yourself from getting irritated about this inconvenience. Um, you, you're going to, it's just going to raise your EV when it's all said and done. Yeah. That sounds about right. It's it's a lot easier said than done. I mean that, but yeah, that is the most optimal way to look at that. Uh, yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for I the just, call. I Pre- just worry about I, I worry about like the long waits, you know, de- deterring people from coming back and playing. Well, you know, at the World <laughs> Series, they've they've the, one of the best things they've ever done, and they, I mean, there's a lot of things I can knock them for doing, but putting these kiosks in. Where you just put money in your account and being able to to pull up and just put your card through the kiosk and get a buy-in is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Well, you know, I would there, see what they one time, do with all all the people that aren't doing the actual transactions that are that are lost to the machines. They should get them try to entice them to become dealers. Sound like a the real likes to complain about shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is, man. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate the call. Thanks for call, uh, tuning in for the mouthpiece and call us back anytime. He's just looking right, for something you. to bitch about. Yeah. You know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is you're right. You know, you can't. You, 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 this is the Alan Kessler situation. I tell him all the time, Alan, listen, I like you. I think you're a good guy. Stop bitching and complaining. Go in there. Think positive. If something bad happens, say, oh, well, let's get to the next event. Instead, he just... He just manifests negative thoughts, and I, I, I do believe that he's not a bad player, and I think that he's actually a winning player. But his negative, his negativity really hurts it. You know, let's get another. Whenever call. you, his answer is always yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah but, but is right. Welcome to the mouthpiece, is Mike and Josh. What's going on? Hello. You're a bad poker player. Kill yourself. I'm a bad poker player. Kill myself. Yeah, that's so wonderful. There's a lot of ne- this social media, Josh. A lot of negative people. 
Negative, negative, negative. That's social media is like the devil, man. I don't want to deal with any bullshit on social media. <laughs> when did you get that one, Danny? That's funny. <laughs> oh my god, it's funny, you know. But yeah, let so um, you know, we go back. Uh, you know, you have the uh, the, the head up tournament at the Poker Go. You're talking about. Uh, yeah. I had an invite to it. They called me today and asked me if I was in or out. They needed to know today. I told them I was out um, for two reasons. Uh, one reason, I lost 15000 last night, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, number two, 25000 is a lot of money. Uh, I could probably yeah. sell half of myself on, on, on the pocket fives. Um, but uh, I also, uh, one of the things is, uh, it's the main reason why I, I dropped out, and I, is I have a, a, a big lawsuit uh that I've been dealing with, uh, with the guy that stole my company from me. And, uh, the deposition is on the day of the 24th and 25th. So it's a day of the tournament. So that's the main reason why I'm going to miss it. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's a really cool event. Um, it's, I, I remember, I mean, outside, you know, I'm looking many years back outside of the main event, the, uh, oh, the, the NBC head up was the best. Yeah, the NBC head up was awesome. It was just it was, so much fun. Yeah, know? it was it was really cool. Maury did an amazing job with the people that he um, invited, and I played in it twice, and I had an amazing time. One of my one of my best poker memories um, is playing Ted Forrest, and halfway through our match, he asked somebody from the rail for different sunglasses because. He thought that I was like I was really putting it to him, and he thought that I was seeing the reflection of his cards <laughs> and his glasses. And that's that typical felt, Ted. Typical Ted. That really fucking cool to have. And at the time, I mean, this is like two thousand five, two thousand six. Ted was the top of the food chain. Yeah, people and, don't, people don't know before you know before Ted, you know got involved let's get this call we'll get back to ted oh welcome welcome to the mouthpiece this is mike and josh yeah hey mr madison how are you man good man thanks for calling who am i talking to uh this is ken from california hey, Called ken. Him once before. oh yeah thanks for the call man what's been going on yeah uh, not a whole lot uh congrats to mr rea the player of the year That's thank pretty you awesome man yeah blast from the past man when i heard you got player of the year I was like oh wow i remember that dude that's yeah. cool. That's cool, man. I appreciate the love. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was wondering, what do you guys think about if you guys even watched it all that uh, heads up match between Durr and uh, Helmuth? I did not watch the last guys- one that Phil won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch mm-hmm. the one before where Phil lost, uh, and I know he's got another one coming up. I think next week against Tom uh, for it's like four hundred thousand um. each. Uh, it might be the week. Right. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Phil told me it was the end of the month. So. Uh, oh, sweet. Well, that was going to be my my question, dude. Right on. Because you can't find really like, any information if uh, Phil is going to rematch him or not. You know. Well, Phil. Just I don't know if you follow Phil on Twitter, but he'll post when it's coming up. Uh, I'm pretty sure he told me it's uh, because they have the head up uh, tournament going on. Uh, they have all the head up tables that I think it's either. The day before the head-up tournament or the day after, he's playing Tom for four. I think it's the day before. I think it's next week, uh, but I'm not positive right. on this. 
but you could you could check on the probably on the if you have a poker go subscription you'll be able to to see if that's what's coming up or not i'm not positive so okay yeah i have poker go i stay out of the twitterverse though so i don't see staying out of the twitterverse is smart twitterverse is very negative very ugly yeah toxic dude it's so toxic it's so toxic i've tried i've tried really i mean if you look at my tweets i've I went through a phase of tweeting like 10, 12, 15 times a day. I mean, I get passionate about something. <laughs> like I was so passionate. I was so passionate about these horrifying uh, COVID policies that I just had to keep, had to keep putting my two cents in. And I, it kind of took over me because it really bothered me so much of the masking, what they were doing to the young kids when it was proven that masking does nothing to stop you from getting COVID. And they kept pushing it. So I was, I was really against the mandates and the masking. And I went, I went pretty nuclear on Twitter over it. And luckily they, uh, they've kind of removed them. And, uh, so I backed off, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very toxic. It's very toxic. So. Yeah, because I think like no matter what, it, it just becomes like consuming. You know, it's all happened to my sister, exactly. and uh, she's yes. like, "Dude, I, I don't want to get involved with the Facebook yeah. and the Twitter yeah. and the Instagram." Yes. I'm like, "Nope, not for me, dude." Okay. So uh, cool, man. That was really my my main question was if they were uh, help me if it was going to rematch him again. Cause yeah, that'd be sweet to watch. He is because um, one for one, so it'd be like a rubber match, if you will. Yeah. Well, I got to go. Uh, I got to talk to Josh. He's got to go in a few minutes. I appreciate the call, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Cool. All right. All right. Be good, guys. All right. Thanks. So, um, you know, so let's, uh, you know, going back to, uh, so we're going to talk about, uh, we talked about pocket fives. Uh, Before you go, Josh, uh, you know, I've had uh, four bracelets since 2013. This will be my ninth year, eight years without one. I've made, I don't know how many final tables. Um, A lot of it in my mind, I feel like since my injury a lot of times late in a tournament, I get a little bit tired. I get a little, I lose a little bit of focus. And like I said, I haven't ran the best. Last year, I made my first bracelet bet. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I'm probably going to do it this year because I really like the way I'm playing. Um, but let's go back. Uh, you told me you had a let, – let's, let's end this uh, on a note on a fun story that you told me you had about the time you were with gambling with Michael Jordan – uh, what, what was that all about? I actually shared that story. It's not, it's not that it's, I shared that story last week on the cracking aces podcast, but okay. I'll give you a, a better story. Okay. It's, uh, um, you have yeah, so that, many gambling stories. Let's hear, let's hear a couple before you go. Jordan is just about why I really dislike him. Cause I had a really bad experience with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like rewind to like 2002, mm-hmm. um, I had a horrible World Series and basically came home broke. Mm-hmm. I had $2,000 in my name and 2500 in bills due. And uh, the second the plane lands, I'm on the phone just like calling around, find, calling a buddy, anybody knows of a poker game because I've been gone for four or five weeks and I want to get back in action. Mm-hmm. And I call my buddy, Wu, David Wu, and I miss I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. I asked David, I was like, David, do you have in your game tonight? I got to get in action. I'm messed up. And uh, he's like, well, actually what I'm doing right now is I'm driving around town, finding all the money that everybody owes me. And I'm going to the gym to shoot three pointers against this bookie. Mm -hmm. And 
and Wu is an amazing shooter. And Wu is like a five foot four Asian kid who I'd known for a long time. And the bet was that he could make 73 pointers out of a hundred. And back then shooting hadn't evolved the way it is. And everybody looked at it as, you know, an NBA player doesn't shoot 70%. So how the hell can this guy shoot 70%? Well, they can when nobody's guarding him. Huck C can make 70 out of 100 easy. You know, we're talking 20 years ago, right. and people are just looking at it as NBA players don't shoot 70%. Right. And so I was like, damn, well, I know you can do it. Swing by my house, pick me up. I've got 1500 bucks. Um, let me borrow 2000 and I'll bet thirty five hundred. So he, I get home from the airport, change clothes. He's in my driveway waiting for me, and we're off. So like, it's noon, and we're supposed to meet at this gym that's right around the corner. And we go to this gym, and it's a church gym. And we meet the bookie there. He's out in the parking lot, and this guy is the biggest smartass ever. He's talking about busting these two kids, and he because he's older, and we were like. I don't know. We were in our twenties. And so he's thinking he's going to bust us. And we walk in the gym, the lights are out and there's a guy working on one of the rims. So Mm -hmm. I look at Wu and I'm like, man, something's up. So the guy is done working on the rim. Did he know you guys were coming? Yeah. I guess that he was late doing it or whatever. I don't know. So Wu starts shooting shots and Every ball is hitting the front of the rim. So we figured out that they had the goal raised by like one inch. And so we was like, no, we're not going to do it here. No way. Well, the bookie, he sees Wu miss a million shots. So he's like, screw it. Let's find another gym. You know, he's, he's going to win 30,000 because Wu just sat there and, missed like 20 in a row and couldn't even like could never get the ball over the rim right and so we go to another gym and the goal ends up being too loose and then it's like we're about to call it off and the bookie's like all right i know one more place we go to this gym and by now it's like four o'clock and everybody's you know the gym's getting packed we go to this place called the Concourse. I got, I got, got yeah, I got a story for you that 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 is about shooting basketball. When you, as soon as you're done, go ahead. So, so this the the court the the gym is three levels, but they're all open around the court, so you can see the basketball uh, court from all three levels. Okay. And um, so we tip a guy working there twenty bucks to stop the basketball game and. So now all the people that were playing basketball are watching and we're, we're getting a tape measure to the rim and we're making sure it's 10 feet. Well, we decide, okay, we're going to do it. So now Wu, the 30,000 for Wu is every dollar to his name. Wow. Like literally drove around Atlanta for three hours collecting money that people owed him. People and, don't understand. Like back in the day when, when we gambled, a lot of times, like I know I've gambled my case, put all my money on something. I mean, okay. that's just what we did because we were young and stupid. But go ahead. Right. So so now we start and I'm rebounding for him. And like I, I feel like there's just a ton of pressure on me. I've got to get the pass to him perfect. And right. So he makes two out of the first 10 and the thoughts in my mind at the time were just the absolute worst ever. And 
I'm thinking I'm going to be broke and I can't pay my bills. And now I'm not only going to be broke, I'm going to owe. And well, he ends up heating up a little bit. And at the halfway point, he was a little behind. Um, But when we got to where uh, the last 10, and at this point, everybody's watching because all the people are watching on the court. There's people around the outside um, on the, on the second and the third levels, just over there watching this little guy shoot three pointers. And so now with 10 left, he needed to make seven of the 10 and he made three of the first five. So when it got down to the last five, he needed four of the last five and he made four in a row for his whole bankroll and it was like the celebration we did the old huge chest bump and and he was much smaller than me and i kind of got him good but the, the bookie was a good sport and you know we went straight to his car and he paid us all the money and so now i went from not being able to pay my bills and i won 3500 there so now my bankroll is like 5000 and i went and played 1530 that night and i won like another 7000 so I went, you know, and that's basically the last time that I was really scratching for money. And uh, oh, that's good. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was it, that was one of my cool gambling experiences. That's you know, it's so funny you bring that up, and you know, I don't know if you remember. I think you might have been there in two thousand and four. Uh, we were in Reno. I think it was the second or third WPT event that they had ever had, and. Uh, we're looking for a gym because Mike Wattell is wants to bet me $10,000 that he can make, uh, I think it was 8 out of 10 free throws left-handed. I'm like, okay, let's go, right? So we're looking for a gym. This is like, <laughs> this is literally like 3 in the morning in Reno, like 4 in the morning, right? We've been playing all night because the sun was just coming up. We go to one place, can't get it, go to another place. Anyways, to make a long story short, I win the bet. He he makes only seven out of ten, but so I'm up ten thousand. But because I'm a sicko, they got me making all these other bets. And by the time I left there, I lost like fifty thousand because that's what because as you know, who's the worst prop better you've ever met? Me, Good. me. They right? dusted off dusted off ten thousand because they knew it. Exactly. And so I look, you know, back then, you know, I've lost so like I, people ask me, what's the worst prop bet you ever made? And without a doubt, it was, I said, wanted to bet 5000 that Shawshank Redemption won Best Picture. And Doyle Brunson's at the table. He says, Mike, do not make that bet. I made that bet, and it cost me 5000 Well, I know you're wrong, Doyle. So here's Doyle telling me not to make the bet, and I still made the bet and lost 5000 That's the worst prop bet I've ever lost, when the guy's yeah, telling me not to do it. So anyways, Josh, I appreciate you having you on. Uh, I think we covered a lot on the show. Um, for anybody out there that wants to take a piece of me or Josh or a lot of big names coming up here in the uh, uh, me during the World Series, Josh coming up here in the uh, the heads up. Uh, like I said, the heads up is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's going to be worth the investment if you want to take pieces. Check it out, pocketfives.com. And uh, we appreciate having you on, Josh. Thank you know, you, me and you go back a long ways. When you were at that final table of the PLO8, I looked right at you. Remember what I said to you? I said, 
how are you going to lose this with these guys? <laughs> you looked at me, you laughed because you knew that you were never going to lose against the Korea. There was two people who never played fucking 08 together. I mean, I don't even know how yeah. they made that final table. And by the way, I am jealous as fuck of you winning the PL08 because I want to win that title so fucking bad. You have no idea that 10K PLO. So, come well, uh, on, yeah, I'm going to take a shot at it in a couple of months. You know, it's, uh, you know, we talk about markup. You know, out of 19 years, I made the 10K08 limit 11 out of 19 years final table. So, you know, it ain't luck. You know, the one thing about it, people don't understand about the 08, when you look at the final three tables of 08, it's always the same people. It's kind of like no limit used to be in the, in the back in the day. And when Nathan Gamble went online and said, should I teach people how to play this? I, t- I, te- I put back, I said, have you lost your fucking mind? Like, what's he going to make? Like 50,000, maybe most uh, teaching people PLO8 or 08? Mike, like, I still got to go, buddy. You got it, my man. <laughs> hey, take care. Thanks again. Have See a you, good buddy. one. All right, Josh is gone. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, of course, I'm definitely jealous that Josh won the PLO 8 10K because it's, it's definitely a title that I believe I'm the best PLO 8 player in the world, and I want to win, and hopefully I'll do it this year at the World Series. Um, so, uh, yeah, me and Josh used to play 75-150 Omaha 8 or better, like fucking zillions of hours back in the day. Josh was a really good Omaha 8 or better player, and he's also one of the best PLO players in the world. So... When I saw him at that final table, and he was playing against one guy who was a PLO player, never played PLO 8. Jeff Gross was there. Uh, hang on one second. Mom, I'm doing a podcast. I'll call you back as soon as I'm done, okay? But And so, um, anyways, uh, so, uh, you know, I looked at the field. I'm like, there's how you're going to lose, and he won it. So, uh, good for him. Good World Series for Josh. Hey, tell them a reminder because they're still asking, where can they buy What's that? They're still asking in the chat. Remind them one more time. Okay, so uh, where you could buy Pieces of Me this year's World Series will be uh, at pocketfives.com. I might be selling some at U-Stake like I did last year, uh, but uh, I am, you know, Phil only owns a tiny piece where Josh has a big piece, and uh, so there's a good chance that I'll be probably selling it at Pocket Fives. Uh, I don't have an account set up there, but I will. Uh, I will be selling uh, 50% of my 10Ks uh, between uh, 1.2 markup and 1.5. The ones that will be 1.5 will be the main event, the Stud 8 and the Omaha 8 and the PLO 8, and the rest will be between 1.2, probably be about 1.2. So uh, I can afford to put up my own money in every event. Uh, maybe I should. I've never. I've only had two losing years at the World Series of Poker. So, when people want to say that I overcharge, just remember this: I've only had two losing events years at the World Series of Poker. Last year, it looked like I was going to have a massive World Series. Somehow, only found a way to win twenty-two thousand. Uh, I mean, I could just take away three or four hands, and I win a million. Uh, that's poker. Uh, so we'll see what happens. My confidence is high. My game is great. Um, I've won a lot of money playing poker the last since COVID started. Since about two months before COVID started. Since November of 2019, I've won a lot of money. I'm just coming off. I just booked my first losing week in 24 weeks uh, because I jumped in a game late last night and played like shit. Uh, 
that's uh that's six months without a losing week you know and uh i'm not trying to brag but um uh, my no limit hold'em game is really good and uh and i've ran good i'm not stupid you know you got you got to stay humble you got to stay focused and uh understand you've ran good but you played great and uh you got to do both to succeed uh it's very very humbling that uh with what i've been through with my injury with going broke because i you know it's 15 months bedridden then i tried to play my way through it when i was in pain and uh things got very bad for me but um it's 2022 i do not think uh financially i've ever been in a better spot mentally i don't think i've been in a better spot um I've worked my ass off to put myself in this spot, and uh, uh, I owe very, very little money. I'm just about out of debt. Uh, I started this fiasco, 783000 in debt uh, two years ago, and I think that number now is under a hundred. So um, listen, it's like I always say, work hard in life, good things will happen. Don't play the victim. I played the victim from 2014 to 2019. Blaming the world for my injury. Once I stopped doing that, things really improved. So, um, you know, uh, it's a two-hour podcast. Uh, it was a great podcast. Um, we didn't talk anything politics today, which uh, I'm sure we'll do on the next show. I will uh, keep you informed on exactly my involvement with 52 Social uh, this should be ironed out here in the next two weeks. But as soon as the World Series is over, this I know, I will be moving to Austin, Texas, and I will be having a very big affiliation with 52 Social. So um, it's a big move for me. It's a big move for my cats. Uh, it's uh, a little scary. Uh, you know, you lived in one place for 44 years. Uh, it is, uh, I get a little bit anxiety over it, but I know deep down inside that the money is all going to be in Texas. Texas poker is going to be the poker capital of the world. And like I said, I make a prediction in 10 years, the World Series of Poker will be somewhere in Texas. I might be wrong. I've been wrong before. That's my opinion. And, um, that's about it. If you uh, want to join my home game online, $250 in chips for $200. Email mouthpoker at yahoo.com. Mouthpoker at yahoo.com. $250 in chips for $200. I have an online game. goes every day. $1-$2. PLO. $1-$2. No limit. If you want to join, I play about an hour a day. And uh, we'll see you next week. We're going to get us start getting guests on here every week again. And... Uh, I'll keep you informed how I'm doing mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, and how I plan on smashing the World Series this year. Have a great, great week. Thanks for listening to The Mouthpiece. The Mouthpiece.